good to see you guys. I know we got a couple of new faces in, so uh, if I haven't got a chance to talk to you or if, I, if you've forgotten my name, which is easily forgettable, my name is Casey, uh, one of the pastors here a lot, working alongside you, serving alongside you. Uh, what a great time it's been so far this morning. First couple of services just been really hopping, man. I loved it. It was great, man. A lot of us came in this morning. It was funny because a lot of us came up, like uh, me and a, like Pete, and we were talking this morning. To all of us have just kind of felt beat up by by the by the world this week, like our jobs or what circumstances or whatever. We're just kind of coming in, going, man, we're just dragging and stuff. And I tell you what, a couple of a couple of services like that, man, and it was awesome. And just just like how God has revived me and and revived a lot of us this morning has been fantastic. Like how this is why. We do church. This is why we come here on Sunday mornings, man, is to be lifted up, to be encouraged, to be with one another, because we are all battling this. And we get tired, right? We get tired and you know, we get uh, get kind of uh, sometimes get distracted a little bit and that kind of thing. It kind of helps us to refocus and re redo what we, uh, we want to do. So we're in this uh, series right now. Actually, it's uh, last week and this week is our only two. We're actually starting a new series called For the Next, which is our, our annual generosity series and it's really called talking about for the next family for the next city for the next you and i man i'm really looking forward to that because it's always good to kind of can you see how can we be as generous of a people as god is generous for us right and so how can we reflect that but this week we're talking finishing up the gong show now this uh somebody had to say hey i better probably make sure this is actually the gong show uh out like the 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 way it looks that's the the symbol graphic for the actual show, so I kind of copied it off the internet. So I want to make sure they didn't get sued by the Gong Show to uh, make sure that uh, I'm sure uh, yeah, Chuck Ferris is going to come up from his grave and say, that's fine, um, but that's all right. How many people remember the Gong Show, the TV show? Yeah, um, some of us older folks, some of us younger folks, like, I have no idea what the, why that's even funny. So, But <coughs> what's that? It's a new one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mike Myers is like in makeup and stuff like that, isn't he? So not the Halloween guy, the Austin Powers guy. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> just want to just make sure we're clear on that. So nobody's going to be coming stabbing with a, with a, with a mask. But um, we uh, talked last week, and I said something last week that I had several people come up to me and go, hey, um, we, uh, I had never heard this before. And what I had said, well, let me just back up. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, why this is called the gong show. It says, if I speak in human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong. Oh, he's gone. Okay. Or a clanging cymbal. Casey was back. I thought he might go boing like he did last week. But um, I'm a sounding gong. Oh, that, hey, there you go. There you go. I saw I saw your family. By the way, love the flotsam in the middle of worship. It's fantastic, right? What I'm really happy about is that you feel comfortable doing that in church. Man, amen. Love that. Love that. Very fun. And I felt comfortable joining you, so I've been practicing because I know you tried teaching. But... Um, you go, come on, man, you can do that. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? Um, but it's uh, like it says, if I speak in human or angelic languages but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I said something last week, and, and so what we're, what we're trying to do is help people see where is the, is the gong going off. If, if, if we're like the gong show, if you're not doing the things that, that you know, are entertaining or whatnot, they gong you off. Well, in our world, like what does it look like for us to be be able to see where am I off base in my love and, and that kind of thing. I, 
uh, like one of the things that I had really mentioned, like I talked about last week, I want to really reemphasize it, is that I don't freak out about a whole lot of stuff. I don't lose sleep about a lot of things. I don't lose sleep. Oh, no, do we have enough money? Oh, no, do we have enough, you know, uh, uh, do I have enough people serving and volunteering? I mean, I don't really like crazy. I mean, I, I, I feel like God's going to lift up people that can serve and parking lot in Kid City and all that kind of stuff. I'm not worried about any of, that, any of those things. I'm not worried that the monitor's out again this week. We think we've got it figured out. There's this junction box that's way too, like, way out of my league. I have no idea, but some of these techie guys know what's going on and stuff like that, so we should have that back up and running next week. So I, I, like, like I'll have to make sure that I point to any scripture that's on the screen. That I don't worry about that stuff, right? But what, if anything keeps me up at night, if anything, like, Man, like gives me pause or gives my makes my heart skip a little beat. It's the it's the fact that that we could lose our loved. Like that's that's a big deal to me. Like it's a huge deal to me. People walk into this church for the first time and they go, "Man, dad, gum, this place." And you guys loved me when I walked in, right? And God, as God loved us, we love other people. That's kind of how it works. Amen. It's a crazy, wild thing to to be thinking like that, but. But I want us to be to understand, like, like that's the thing that will make me like freak out. I will be absolutely devastated if we lose our love. And what what we talked about last week was how Jesus judged the church in Ephesus in Revelation when he says, "Hey, man, I see all the great things that you do, all the churchy stuff, all the great ministries, and and you really do a lot of things, and you persevere even through persecution. But I have this against you: you have lost your first love." Man, and that breaks my heart to think that if it could happen to a church like Ephesus that Paul wrote to and was encouraged by, it could happen to anybody unless we look out for the gongs and the clanging cymbals. Amen? And so I want us to be, be thinking through those kinds of things. But last week, I talked about something, and I had a lot of people come up to me and they go, man, alive, I, I'd never heard that before. Explain that to me. Talk to me about that. And I said that the opposite of love is fear. Most people think the opposite of love is hate. But that's not the case in Scripture, and this is something that really kind of kind of messed with some folks last week. And I want to unpack that some and tell you why uh, why I've talked about that. I did a sermon a couple of years back, and we've got a lot of new people in the in the church now, and and so I want to kind of talk through that. The opposite of love is fear, and the reason I say that is what Paul wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy one seven. Timothy being a young pastor, Paul being his mentor, he says to him, he says, "For God has not given us a spirit." of fearfulness, but one of power, of love, and sound judgment. Now, now understand, this, uh, this word right here, the spirit of fearfulness, is the kind of fearfulness that goes along with someone having very poor self-image, very poor confidence, very poor, like those kinds of things. By the way, self-image, self-esteem, that's jacked up and whacked out. I'm just telling you straight up. We do not need to have self-esteem. We need to have esteem that comes from God. Amen? And I want us to like, like totally throw that stuff out. If you're looking for esteem that comes from yourself, I know it's in me. I don't want esteem to come from there. I want esteem to come from God who is in me. Amen? That's how this works. He calls me. We just, we just sung it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of, of God, right? I mean, that whole, man, you read the lyrics to that, that song. It's amazing to what the script, and we didn't even plan that. That was awesome. Like we just said, I thought, they started singing it this morning. I'm like, hey, that sounds like the sermon. Let's just forget the sermon. Just keep singing the song. Is that cool? Everybody's like, hey, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, but that's what Paul said to this, this, this spirit of, 
of a lack of confidence, a lack of a lack of swagger, to be honest with you, in the in the Lord. You guys know that I am a a, a big fan of rap music and heavy metal, which is God's favorite style of music, right? That that's biblical. It's in Hezekiah nine four. Read it yourself if you want to. But that is, I love our church, man. But that is God's favorite. And it, so if it's God's, I figured I'd just join in with Him. But um, but my my favorite, it's not my favorite song. It's not even my favorite rapper, but it's my favorite line of any rap song out there. It's by a guy named Cash Hollister, and he's got a song called Lay It Down. He says, I'm mislabeled as cocky, but man, I'm just quick to brag I'm a savior. Where do you think I get my swagger from? Right? Amen. And that's how we're supposed to approach this. We're not supposed to be, well, oh, man, people are going to think I'm stupid. Oh, man, people are going to think I'm a non-intellectual. Oh, man, nobody's going to listen to me because I don't got no money. I got no influence. I got no power. Who's going to listen to me? Right? And God's like, you're my child. Right? You're, my, you're royalty. You're about to inherit a kingdom from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Right? And so why in the world would we walk around going, oh, shoot, nobody's going to listen to me. Oh, shoot, I got this circumstance. Oh, shoot, I'm a felon. Oh, shoot, I'm an addict. Oh, shoot, I'm a divorcee. Oh, shoot, I'm this. Oh, shoot, I'm that. No, you're a child of God. Don't sing it, believe it. Right? It's, it's, it's not just a song we, we sing. Romans 8.15 says, For you didn't, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear right but if i say but but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out abba father we are adopted right he has called us not out of a, out of a spiritual orphanage into his home this is an amazing thing john writes in the new testament first john 4 18 there is no fear in this sphere like the first two fears were like the fear of the confidence and fear like, oh, I'm nothing or fear like that kind of thing. This fear is like, oh, no, the demons are out there. What are we going to do? Right. Their fear like a genuine like, oh, no, I'm being attacked. Oh, no. Hey, b b by the way, if you're being attacked like the rest of us, that means you're doing something right. You know that, right? If the devil's not worried about you, that means you're just not really impactful for God's kingdom. But if you're helping take that kingdom away from the enemy, then he's probably going to mess with you a little bit. I'm just saying, man, this is what is written in Scripture. Don't be surprised by that. Is that cool? I got came in this morning kind of beat up a little bit, and I thank Pete and the worship team for helping to lift up. I thank you guys for helping to lift up. This has been a great morning, amen? It's been awesome. So, But we all go through it, right? But it's not that this, this kind of fear is like this, oh, no, the demonic, oh, no, I'm so scared of that. Listen, if Jesus is in you and he's in me and he's in us, the enemy has no bearing or power on you. You understand that, right? Can he mess with you? Can he influence you? Can he jack with you? He could try. And sometimes we let him when we get weak. But I'm just saying, there is no, there is no power in Satan that has over us. Thank you for guys for serving at Maple Leaf. Love you. Give the Rawls a hand. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. It's why we serve, man. We got new people that come in because, hey, I saw you guys out there. Frontier Days. Saw you guys out there. Trunk or Tree. Saw you guys out there. All this kind of stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Revelation 21. Oh, wait, wait. Let me finish. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out, not hate, but he drives out what? Fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears 
has not reached perfection in love. This is why Jesus is so emphatic and say, look, yeah, I have this against you, church in Ephesus. This is what you lost, right? When we lose our love, we lose our protection, right? We lose our, our, our armor against, against the, the evil one. But if that's not enough to understand that the opposite of love is fear, check this out. And this is what blew my mind. Revelation 21 in verse 5 through 8, Jesus is making everything new. And then he says to, to John, who's writing this down, Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, this is John, this is John actually observing what he's doing. Look, I'm making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor, if we're in him and he's in us, that's us, right? The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And everybody said, amen, that's what we're looking for. But, this is crazy. Listen to this. But, who did he list first? But the, the cowards, the fearful almost looked at that one so it's so hard not to look but the unbelievers like you put cowards and unbelievers oh listen to who else the vile the murderers the sexually immoral the sorcerers idolaters and all liars their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death man this is serious right like, we're, we're to have no fear. And when we have love, that casts out all fear. We ain't got to worry about that stuff. I'm not trying to focus on, hey, man, don't be afraid. This is where you're going. No, focus on loving him with everything you have, loving your neighbor as yourself, and then you're good. But we got to understand that that gong that's sounding is serious, right? When we start walking a little bit this way and losing our love, losing our swagger, losing our, our courage, and those, that's why I said that last week, and it, and it messed with people, right? It's the second death. But, but I, so I wanted to explain that, like, like why I said that the opposite of fear is love, because people were rocked by that. And so I didn't recognize this sort of said it and kind of moved on. But like, hey, what did you mean by that? But was that helpful? Did you explain it a little bit, why I, why I said what I said? Scripturally, this is what it says. Never does love cast out hate. It's kind of weird, not scripturally, that I can ever see. It is always casting out fear. And you realize that the command to be courageous, the command to have no fear, the command to buck up and those kind of things is commanded in some form or fashion in that way over 365 times in the Bible, one for every day, meaning that is the most frequently commanded command of all Scripture. Wow, that's an incredible thing. So God is serious about us not being fearful, but having a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And everybody in here said, amen. So with that, listen to John 14. John 14 is a very powerful chapter in Scripture. I highly recommend John 14 and John 15 being read in the, in the lens of, hey, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And I'll explain that here in a second. But John 14 is very powerful. He says that in, in John 14, we talks about the Trinity and the roles of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Talks about Jesus' own uh, deity when he, he de, uh, like identifies himself as equal to that of the Father. Uh, talks about the devil and his role and that kind of thing. Uh, why we must love God. 
and that we are to live our lives as like how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus. It's a very powerful, action-packed, very practical, but also very challenging uh, chapter in the Bible. So let me read that to you. Before I do that, let me take a quick sip. I'm trying to get a little bit dry. Is that cool? Ah, better. Now I can scream again. All right. John 14. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And this is, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's about to resurrect from the dead. He's about to be ascended into heaven. But none of that's happened yet. So he's kind of preparing his boys for that, right? So listen to what he says. He says, your, starting in verse 1, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Now, this is marriage language that was culturally the way they did it in the first century Jewish tradition, right? So what they would do is that this is how this works, and this is, has all kinds of other things with it, it comes to communion and that kind of thing, that the husband-to-be would go up to the wife-to-be and say, hey, girl, would you marry me type of thing? Give her a glass of wine. If she took the glass of wine and sipped it, right, he would say, awesome, thank you for uh, agreeing to marry me. Then he would go back to his father's house, build an addition to his father's house, and when the father said, hey, that addition is ready for your new bride, then the, then the husband-to-be would go get his bride. And sometimes this took a year or so sometimes to, to construct. So it wasn't like this, this regular like a Western type of, type of engagement. It was a, and this is marriage language. So when Jesus in Revelation comes back as a groom for his bride, this is what it's talking about. When he talks to his, his uh, disciples and he gives them the wine, and this is the same language. And so, so it's like, a, like so many different things that are going on. And that's why, man, when you start talking about this marriage language, because this is what he's, he's talking about. The groom is going to go prepare a pra- place for his bride, which is the church. That makes sense? All right. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord Thomas said, and everybody gives Thomas a hard time for being the doubter. I think he's a lot more of a, just a question asker a lot of times. And he's just saying, hey, you know, I just don't want to get hurt. When Jesus died, he just, people were like, Thomas, man, you got to believe it. He goes, nope, 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 not until I see his holes in his hands and his side, right, and his feet. Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people are like, well, that's kind of intolerant. No, I think it's kind of simplified, right? Like Jesus says, hey, you don't have to guess, right? He goes, didn't say I'm one of the ways. He didn't say I'm a, I'm a good way. He says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you know me, you, you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. <coughs> Lord said, Philip, show us the father, and that's enough for us. Now listen to this answer that Jesus says, how he responds. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? Like he's saying, don't you, you're asking for me to show you the Father. And he responds by saying, don't you know me? I mean, he's equating himself with the Father. He's saying, me and the Father are the same. I've sitting there and told you, you've, you've seen him. A lot of people say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be deity, never claimed to be God. Yeah, he did. He did it right here. He did it with a woman on the well. He did, all, like, he did it when he read the, the scrolls in the temple. I mean, all these times he did it, right? 
He could never say he never claimed that. And a lot of people have claimed to be God, but he's the only one that rose from the dead. So I'm going to believe that guy. Amen. Lord, said Philip, showing the Father that's enough for, enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will be given greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not rubbing the Bible and getting three wishes from Jesus. This is when we are in him and he is in us, we're going to want what he wants for us, so when we ask for it, he's going to give it. That makes sense. It's really that kind of simple. A lot of people use that and you know and, and abuse that scripture, but it's just not that's that's prosperity stuff is 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 out the door. Verse fifteen, and this is where it gets real. If you love me, you will keep my commands or obey my commands. Wow, how many people? Come, I, I guarantee you, 99% of the people that come to a church on Sunday morning says, man, I sure do love Mason Jesus, right? And then they go and they do something totally opposite of what he's commanded them to do. And here's Jesus laying it down. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands or obey what I've told you to do. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is talking about the Holy Spirit here. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. This is a common theme, common language. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but, everybody say but. But you will see me because I live, you will live too. In that day, you know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And the one who, listen to this, who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. In other words, the one who keeps, who obeys what I said is the one who loves me. Now listen, this is the second time he said this in the passage. In rabbinic Jewish tradition, if a rabbi says something three times, you've got to pay attention. He's like, hey, McFly, right? Pay attention here, right? And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. <coughs> Judas, not Iscariot, <clears throat> said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not the world? Listen to how he responds. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's number three. We pay attention to that one, right? We pay attention to all of them. But when he says it three times, he's trying to get his, his hearers to like, Really, really dig in and lean in and say, okay, what's he, he said that three times. Y'all hear that? That's three times, right? My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. In essence, that's the fourth time, isn't it? I get so for real, no take backs, no erases, kind of a command. If you love me, you'll do what I say. Now, here's the thing I want us to understand. 
Jesus put those in proper order. He didn't say, go and do what I commanded you. He said, if you love me, this is what you're going to do. And I think, man, we've got to really dive into that and understand that a little bit more. That, that so many times people go, okay, now i got to show Jesus. Okay, if I, if I love Jesus, i got to go command. So it's, it's, an, it's an outpouring of a love of Jesus, not a, not a okay, I'm going to do what he said to do, right? And so then no, it's just like you can't put the cart before the horse, right? The love of God is going to manifest itself naturally into a command or an obedience to Jesus' command. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people say this, man, I love Jesus so much. I love him, I love him, right? But they don't do what he says. And Jesus is like, if you don't do what I say, you don't love me. And so it's a natural, like it's, a, it's something that has to come from a, a sincere desire, a sincere love of God that flows into obedience to him. Does that make sense, guys? We with it? Okay. You want to make sure I'm, and I want to make sure I don't step on something expensive. All right. I've spoken that these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father, will send him in my name. Will, te- will send him in my name. Will teach you all, these, all the things and remind you of everything I have told you. This kind of gives us the function of the Holy Spirit. One of the things the Holy Spirit does, he does, is that he's the guidance of us. This is why I say it's really an important thing to be in community with other believers in the word with God, right, and being guided by the Holy Spirit. So if we're led by the like by people of God, if we're uh, helped by the word of God, if we're guided by the Holy Spirit, it's that trifecta. Does that make sense? All the way around. So he's talking about what the Holy Spirit does. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Listen to this. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Like it's a consistent message throughout the, the, the Bible. I've heard people say, man, you kind of repeat yourself a lot. And I was like, well, no, not really. God does in his word, so I'm just preaching God's word. Right? So that's how that works, right? You have heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming and he has no power over me. And guess what? If he's in you and you're in, you're in him, he has no power over you either. Right? See how that works? So wonderful, man. On the contrary, I'm going away so that the world may know that I love the Father just as the Father commanded me, so I do. And then he says, get up, let's leave this place. Man, it's like, let's move. We can't stay here, right? And so, man, I, I, like that's the, the, where the rubber meets the road is this obedience to Jesus is not something we've got to do as a separate r- bunch of rules and regulations and a checklist of things that, okay, I went to church and I read my Bible and I did this and I, I prayed and I did. Like, it's not like that. Like it's a sincere love of Jesus that, that results in obedience to him. And I don't ever want us to put the cart before the horse. And if we do that, guys, we'll never lose our love. And I'll never have to have sleepless nights because we've lost our love. And we never have to hear from the Lord says, hey, I got this against you. I see the fact that you're 
trying to be uh, engaged in the community and you're trying to know names and you're trying to make disciples and that kind of thing, but you lost lost that love that you had for me at first. May we never lose that, amen. I'm going to finish with, there's so much in here. I'm going to finish with Matthew 28, 16 through 20 and remind us why we need to make make disciples and how it ties into all this stuff. It says in 16 through 20, the 11 disciples, if I got my math correct, that's 12 minus 1, who offed himself because that's what he did, Judas Iscariot. So there are 11 disciples. This is after the resurrection. They are totally in awe of what's gone on, right? They traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some, some doubted. They, they were fearful. They were like, oh, man, this all, like there's a lot of persecution that's about to happen as a result of them following this, this Jesus. And then Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And listen to verse 20, teaching them to observe everything or obey everything I have commanded you. It's the same thing. He keeps saying it over and over. He says, this is how you teach. Like, it's not a matter of teaching somebody, okay, this is what Jesus said, this is what you got to do. Discipleship, according to this, is in essence teaching people to love Jesus. Because when we teach them to be obedient, it's out of love and abiding and remaining in him. But then Jesus says, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age because you're going to need me. By yourself, you're going to get worn out. You're going to lose your courage. You're going to waver in your stance. You're going to get freaked out, burn out, adrenal glands fried. And some of us came in this morning like that. I'll be honest, we just did. Like it was a lot of us, right? But God, but God, who rose from the grave and showed us who he is man like it's a remarkable thing and he says do not fear what they fear do not fear things that are naturally something to be fearful of don't fear the demonic don't fear the reputation that people want to give you don't fear the what people are going to say about you don't fear about any of that stuff, Jesus came from his very first public ministry sermon on the mount, said, do not be afraid, do not worry, and you add an hour to your life by worrying. He said it from the very beginning, he said at the very end, the courageous will be in his kingdom. It's amazing. From beginning to end, it's the same message. And so we're going to kind of transition a little bit. And I want us to <coughs> be thinking, because we're going to ask the ushers to come forward, and here's, here's what I want us to do. Yeah, we, we do an offering, no doubt about it. We use the money to do whatever God wants us to do. And what he wants us to do is go make disciples, we make disciples, we make disciples, no doubt about it. Teach people to, to live in love and not in fear, absolutely. 
and we'll use that thing for his kingdom and for his glory. Absolutely. As he directs, the Holy Spirit directs us, we're going to do that. But there are some of us in here that need a phone call this week. They need, they need somebody to reach out to them and encourage them because we've been living in fear. And you didn't know how to like articulate it, but all of a sudden now you got rocked. I had some people and like got really rocked in a second. So I don't know what happened. It must have been something the Holy Spirit just kind of descended and did his thing. But people got rocked, man. And like I hope that they put that on a connect card because they need phone calls. Like I had no idea I was dealing with that, man, too. That words that Jesus had spoken just sort of came and convicted, right? And I love that. But now we got to do something about it. So if we're living in fear, if we're living encouraged, discouraged, if we're living in defeat, guys, we don't have to. This isn't something where like, hey, you got to fake it till you make it, and it's going to be good. It's like, what, what would happen if you turned your life over? Some of us have never actually really done that. Actually turn your life over to Jesus. And, and, and have a, a genuine love with him and for him. And out of that, just say, man, I just I get to do what he's commanded me to do because I'm his kid, right? I'm his child. Like I just, man, how cool is that? That we're royalty that get to inherit a kingdom. I mean, you get to go help other people become royalty too. It's not something that's, that you have to, like have offspring to be royalty. This isn't like the king and queen of England and Meghan Markle, who's ooh pregnant by the way. <laughs> Yahoo News. Um, found out this morning. I was like, really? No, <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> I love our church. It's not like that kind of royalty, man. It's a royalty that never ends. The kingdom of England will go away. All that stuff is going to be gone. Everything's going to be made new, but the kingdom of God will never end. And so as we pray this morning, as we give this morning, that's what we're going to give toward. So, Father, we love you. And, uh, and Lord, here's the thing. You've made it very clear about how we're supposed to live our lives with, with great swagger that comes from you, with great confidence. We know, you know what we've done, Lord, and you know who we are. But in you, you've said that we can go boldly before your throne, confidently in front of you, through Jesus. And so, God, as he is in us and we are in him, may we learn what it means to love. And as a result of that love, what it means to be obedient in everything. And God, may you take these tithes and these offerings, and may you take these connect cards that have probably have some some painful outreach in them and may you take this may you bless it may you use it for your kingdom and may you guide us in how we're supposed to spend it this belongs to you in the first place and we're amazed you don't demand it all back so we ask these things that you do this with this money in your son's name everybody said